Hello and welcome to another MyTunes podcast here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation station, Manx Radio. A brand new week of MyTunes on Mark Tiley in the morning. And my guest this week is the Reverend Gordon Barker. And Gordon, you very kindly reminded me that even though you're not a full-time rev anymore, you never lose it. No, you can't fully retire. Well, you can, but you could try. And you have not retired. You're still busy, not just around the Isle of Man, but overseas. And In, indeed, yeah. Spain as well, yeah. And we'll talk about that a little later. Well, it's lovely to have you with us. Your transition to becoming a vicar of yeah. Reverend, how did that happen? Um, people started telling me, uh, other uh, priests started telling me that I uh, was being called to the ministry, and I said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And that went on for quite a long time. And I still didn't know when I went for a three-day selection, um, which it would go across for. So they said, you're not selected. But then I had a, an experience in those three days, and I went back to the bishop and said, I am called. Anyway, I went back two years later, and... Uh, they told me, yeah, there'd been a mistake. I should have been called. Oh, it should have been accepted before. Wow. So what was the light bulb moment, if we can talk about that? Not until I was on that first selection at the end of it, and I, I um, had, um, shall we call it a vision? Yes. Uh, I was meditating, and I had a vision. The words spoken of the vision were, were, feed my sheep, which is one of those things from the Bible. So, and other things around it uh, suggested, and the way I felt, um, yeah. But it's not always like that. You might not have anything at all, but in this case, I did. You certainly did. And how old were you at that time? 50. You weren't 18 and ready to ready to rock and roll? No, but <laughs> I have a feeling I was being called when I was 25, but I rejected it. Well, when it went up to about 30, perhaps, but I rejected it, yeah. Um, yeah. But before that happened, what were you doing? I was uh, design manager at uh, Strix on the island uh, and then several other engineering companies before that. And you moved to the Isle of Man when, Gordon? 1987, yeah. So answered uh, the advert for a job in the northwest. It was a mate of mine and he was lying. <laughs> well, it sort of is. <laughs> so you came here uh, with Strix rather than with the ministry? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And good times? It was very tough company. I'd been with some terribly tough companies, and Strix was probably the toughest in many ways. Yeah, and, Just, and that involved quite a lot of travel, didn't it? It did, yeah, later on especially, yeah. yeah. We're going to go back for your first piece of music, and it's a piece of music that's been chosen before on my tunes, so there's no problem with that. Some people say this goes back over 500 years as an ancient folk song. What has drawn you to the House of the Rising Sun? The background to drinking uh, with my mates in uh, various holiday destinations. <laughs> Can't say fairer than that. Shall we play it now? Yeah. Here it is, the animals, House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> Oh, 
tell your children not to do what I have done. Spend your lives in sin and misery in the house of the rising sun. guest this week became a vicar at the age of 50 although there had been somebody knocking at your door a bit earlier Gordon Barker Reverend Gordon Barker but he didn't he didn't open the door at that occasion I didn't too busy too busy (laughs) getting on with life yes yeah so take us through Stricts you came over here to the Isle of Man and we established not to to do your ministry work but to work with Stricts a big company on the Isle of Man big company on the Isle of Man at the time it wasn't that bigger company on the Isle of Man. It went up to a thousand people, but we had a uh, not a very big turnover uh, of, of things for manufacturing uh, these parts from kettles, all technical. But in fact, uh, we went from low level of a few thousand a year to a hundred and fifty thousand by the time I left, and it was that growth and the pressure on everybody because of that growth. So engineering background. So yep. b- before you came here. How did you get to this? What were you doing in engineering? Well, I left school at 16. My parents were very poor. We couldn't uh, really do anything else. I became a student apprentice at an engineering place in Loughborough. And then from there, I went to a very uh, high tech company in aircraft equipment in Bradford. Uh, And then I went to Scotland, where just a few months later, Helen and I lived because we just got married in that year. And then I went to run a research group, R&D group in Essex, but it was really all over the world, all all over America and uh, Europe um, for that research group for a while, all in linear motors, things like that, uh, for um, Lathway, if anybody's heard of him and cryogenic motors, which were super cold, and and all sorts of things. Now, this time, this era that you were working in, 
everything was happening. Things were moving. The computers were coming online. This was changing. Yeah. It was a tremendous uh, yeah. era of change. Yeah. I started working on computers when I was 19. Yeah. And that was in 1962. Yeah. In fact, I was working on them before that, but using them. Yeah. When you got to the Isle of Man, what were your first impressions? Well, when we came to look at it, we thought, is it like the Shetlands with no trees? Um, <laughs> we didn't have the faintest idea. We loved it straight away. We stayed at the um, Castletown Golf Links, uh, beautiful view, and oh, it was fantastic. Uh, we, we really loved the island when we first saw it. And, um, yeah, and I remember it was bonfire day, and the, uh, uh, as the plane took off, there was all these bonfires across the island. <laughs> You said that you, you you applied for a job in the northwest, and well, it is. It just happens to be an island uh, yeah. in in the northwest. Uh, had you been over here as a kid on holiday or anything? Oh no, no, no. That was the first time. No, but my father used to come in 1935 on a motorbike with my uncle on back to watch the TT. Ah, so there was a distant connection. Oh yeah, yeah, and I find an old map of his uh, with on the back in pencil bacon trousers. In other words, their <laughs> their list. Beautiful. Their packing list. Their packing list. And we've got it on the wall in the house now. That's brilliant. Next choice of music. Where are we going to go for this one? Well, it's two parts of my life. One is drinking with my mates. <laughs> which, which <laughs> pretty well covered yesterday in the yeah. rising sun. Yeah. But also, um, it's the background we use for a, um outside play. I, I, I'm evangelist. I, I used to go all over the the country and there's a play that is um and it, it talks about how people ha not having any satisfaction with their lives and this is a brilliant background to that i ain't got no satisfaction with a brilliant tune as well <laughs> rolling stones here it is <laughs>
The Reverend Gordon Barker is my MyTunes guest this week. He was 50 when he became the Reverend Gordon Barker. Gordon, I want you to, if you can, sum up the differences, if indeed there are any, between being a vicar when you started and being one now. Well, I would say it's so much more freedom now because I'm retired and nobody can really pull me up the can. But um, and I'm free to preach in all sorts of denominations. And luckily for me, I get invited to preach in all um, a lot of the denominations on the island. Uh, and that's great. And in churches all over the island, and that's freedom. But uh, when I started, uh, I was at Balasala and it was... Um, yeah, it was an interesting time. Um, I was the assistant priest there, so learning, obviously. Then for a time I was in Kent, just for a time we went to Kent, and I was part of a, a mission, a national mission thing in the, the UK that's leading groups out into uh, to meet people in various places. Very big missions, sometimes a thousand people part of the missions, and um, could be 600 churches. But we had one on the island in 2000, Walk of a Thousand Men, if anyone remembers it. Uh, well, Walk Isle of Man, it was called. It wasn't just men, in red shirts. So that's what I was doing there, and it was also a difficult village I was the vicar of as well. When you say difficult, hard, hard to get people in, or, or were you not received very well? It was a village which was a dumping ground, I'll say the name, Isle of Grain, and the Daily Mail a few years before that had called it the Village of the Damned. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> In more general terms, the work of a vicar some years ago compared to the work of a vicar now has changed, and I'm thinking particularly on the Isle of Man, where so many of the parishes have merged, and rather than have one church and do your job there, you may have a lot more um, churches and indeed communities to deal with. Is yes. that true across as well? Oh yes, very much true, yeah. That's all right. Um, it, the system was great in a way that you had a responsibility for everybody in the parish as the vicar, no matter what their faith or non-faith was. And so I used to say if I turned up at any house here, um, I was, I had many parishes in the north of the island, if I turned up here in this place, some, maybe somewhere remote, they might not expect to see me, but they'd understand that I was on the door with my collar on. And, and that's a wonderful privilege. And they'd probably know who you were. They might. Hopefully. And they might spit on the ground. I mean, <laughs> hopefully not. We'll talk a lot more along this road uh, tomorrow, but let's have another piece of music. And where are we going today? Um, yeah, that great film, The Graduate, and uh, Mrs. Robinson. Um, yeah, during our fairly early married life, this was uh, one of those key moments when we saw that film. It's a great film.
Reverend Gordon Barker is my My Tunes guest all this week. We've had some wonderful music. We've been in the House of the Rising Sun, had a couple of pints, and we couldn't get much satisfaction with the Rolling Stones, and then we talked about Anne Bancroft, but skated over the storyline of The Graduate because we thought it best we did. Gordon, thank you for coming on My Tunes this week. It's great to be here. Good to have you with us. The whole business of now being, if you like, a freelance vicar, you touched on it yesterday. You're still a reverend. You're not tied to a parish. You can do, go anywhere, and indeed you do. Liberating? Very liberating, yes. Can be quite hard work. You don't quite know, um, because you haven't been there for a year sometimes, uh, quite where the, the chapel or the church is. But it it's great, and uh, yeah, I, I go in, wreck the church, and leave. Uh, it's it's just a wonderful experience. 
Now, when you're a supply vicar, <laughs> do you get told what to do? I mean, obviously, the texts are uh, uh, people who are familiar with the churches that know that there are set texts. And as you go through the, the year, there are certain things that happen across the year in a church. But in terms of sermons, etc., are you free? I am totally free. In fact, we don't even need to use the lectionary. We can choose anything we like. But it's, it is so much easier for me if I can focus straight away on a particular part of the Bible because immediately things start to fall into place. Maybe a struggle after that, but they start to fall into place. Now, I know you very well, and I know that you love travelling, and I know you, for many years, have been a motorhome enthusiast and have travelled a lot to Spain in particular for the warmth and all that goes with it. But you've also, if I use the the term, got a gig in Spain as a vicar. (laughs) How did this come about? And tell us all about it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's an expat community, an English-speaking community, within the place in Nerja, which is on the south coast at the bottom of the Sierra Nevada in in the sunshine. And and very nice area, not too developed tourist-wise. Well, it's developed, but it's still a very pleasant area. And so we we went there about 10 years ago, started going. Um, Brother had been there for many years, uh, on and off. And uh, we started with the church, and they're using a Roman Classic church. Anyway, nice community, and so I started preaching there on occasions. Um, Now the the guy who's the last, lovely guy, he's a Welshman, but he's uh, married to a Spanish lady. Anyway, he's retiring after about 10 years. And he's 70, so they're putting in me, and I'm 80. So it's a good good swap, I think, for them. No, I'm only there for three months, and I'm only doing... um, I'm trying only to do services and a little bit of pastoral work, going out to see people, but I won't do too much of that because I'm getting old. Well, in fact, I am old. But you said the, the guy retiring is 70, and you're back in the, in the chair at 80. It's fantastic. When you go down to somewhere like Spain, which we all think of as primarily a Roman Catholic country, yeah. are there pockets of Anglican communities all over the place? Yeah, there are. There are about three different ones in the area where I am, uh, mainly in cities or in uh, conurbations or where lots of uh, Brits or other English-speaking people go. We have a lot of Canadians, for instance, who come. And, they're, they're yeah, they're fairly well scattered a, a, across Spain. And in fact, they're putting one in Morocco at the moment. It's mainly in the, uh, on the coasts. I presume there's one in Barcelona and places like that. But I, I don't, don't know those places. We have been to one or two. And when will you be there? Middle of January. Perfect. Ties in rather well with the Manx winter. (laughs) Final track for this bit uh, we'll come to now, but just to let everyone know, there's uh, an extended version of this in the podcast that'll be released to you and the rest of the waiting world at five past twelve. Precisely, because that's what we'll do. But for now... Let's have this gorgeous piece of music and tell us a bit about why you've chosen it. Well, this is summertime and it's a brilliant uh, song, if you like that sort of thing, but it is. It's uh, uh, with Ella Fitzgerald singing it and it has such beauty to it and such uh, emotion to it uh, as well. Um, and uh, it comes from the Deep South. Um, it, it's, 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 that's its background. And we've even got Louis Armstrong on this version of it. It's just there. And uh, throughout my life, it's been a background to my life since the 1950s, I suppose, since I was in just a 
a teenager. So, yeah. Fantastic final choice. But as I said, there'll be more on the podcast. But for now, Reverend Gordon Barker, thank you. Thank you. Oh, 
welcome to the podcast edition of My Tunes with the Reverend Gordon Barker. Lovely to have Ella Fitzgerald, Summertime, Porgy and Bess, a classic, as you say, Gordon. For this extra bit, can we talk a little bit about China? Because I know you're going off to Spain as a freelance figure, but uh, when you had your ministry here, you, you were a regular visitor to China. I was. That's because I was a non-sizependry. That means I was still working in Strix, although I'd cut my hours to 45 hours, which was a big cut from what we were doing. And then I was also, nothing to do with the fact I was ordained, but I was going to China a lot and other countries. We set up a factory in China, but that's not why I was there. I was there because they were copying some of our product and making things unsafe, and an unsafe kettle is very dangerous. So I was in Beijing a lot, uh, in Guangzhou, but in other parts of China. And uh, I, to an extent, I was representing the uh, Brussels, uh, committees in Brussels with the EU, um, to do with suppressing those sorts of products where the Chinese were copying and making dangerous versions of it. Although the company wanted me to stay longer, I would go on a Sunday night and I'd come back uh, on the following Saturday morning and then often I'd be preaching on the Sunday which was great so uh, I remember preaching once with stickers from the thing which uh, you get on a plane where it says do not disturb and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, um, wake me up for breakfast and all sorts of things and I used that uh, sticking them on my forehead I remember while I was preaching uh, making the point about all being awake <laughs> though that's a long way to go for a very short time it's a it's, yeah. a, it's a quick turnaround Talk about Christianity. We mentioned some of the Anglican communities in Spain. What's it like trying to be Christian in China? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I was uh, while I was doing this um, in that period with Strix, I was also doing a master's degree in uh, theology, well, sort of in theology. So I was carrying around with me lots of study articles while I was in, in China. And we were on an internal plane once, and uh, they gave us this thing printed in large letters in English saying contraband, and it said uh, about drugs and other things and it said Christian literature <laughs> this is what you must not carry and of course my I had a suitcase absolutely trample with uh, Christian literature um, yeah, I thought it was interesting I didn't stop doing that um, I had a friend who used to smuggle Bibles into China so he was a far more dangerous uh, affair but uh, yeah so if as you uh, used to go into China if you drove in from Hong Kong to Guangzhou about a three-hour journey in a car um, as you went across the border there was a church there church of living water and it was Chinese and English so right on the border one church a free church had made uh, their place there and certainly they were very visible so yeah I don't know what it's like now but there was a lot of persecution um, of the church I mean persecution all the churches i know uh, roman classics were really persecuted and so there's a lot of house churches in china i think there's probably 10 percent of the chinese people maybe are, are christians but you wouldn't know it because they're, they're all underground maybe it's less than that now and there are many other countries where it's very very hard it's a, it's a hard graft being a christian it is it is yeah, right around but the they world. make a significant difference yeah and it's not the sort of Bible punching 
but it's the fact that they serve others in those communities in love and not trying to get anything out of it and that's respected for that which is what you do sir uh, to an extent but not so, the right they do well yeah. you do let's have our bonus piece of music and um, i adore this talk us through it uh, this is a piece of Lezu, um, uh, and it uh, means pious Jesus, but uh, that's not a particularly word I would use, pious, but yeah, there it is. But uh, it's a beautiful piece of music. The soprano singing, I think it's soprano, I'm not very good on these things, but gets up to very high notes anyway during this, a uh, huge range. But it is, it's only a symptom of the fact really I like classic music, and this is just one of those things that are a bit more modern so I, I chose that and I hope you like it you probably must have heard it because it was very famous 20 years ago and it it does reach parts that other songs can't reach perfect Gordon thank you Andrew Lloyd Webber's Requiem P.A. Yezu thanks for being on my tunes thanks
a wonderful piece of bonus music for the podcast of my tunes with the Reverend Gordon Barker. Thank you again, Gordon. I'm Mark Tiley, and join me whenever you can for the morning show on Manx Radio, 9.30 to 12, including such ludicrous things as horse racing over Formica. I know it has to be seen and heard to be believed. A podcast coming up here every single day, by the way, so keep coming back to manxradio.com.